five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. What's going on, everybody? Tyler Cash here. It's another episode of Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. Tis the season. The snow is somewhere out there in the world. It's not on the west part of uh, the, the continent, that's for sure. But uh, chilling here. Just got off work, enjoying a nice cold beverage. How are you doing, Tommy? Doing a nice room temperature bottled water. I mean, that's a good choice of water, but room temperature? Yikes. Uh, hey, goes down easier in my opinion. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Like, you're like a serial killer. When I stayed with you, you had just like the pitcher, like chilling in your uh, in your kitchen, not refrigerated or Dude, not. Like, what, how about you, that? When's the last time you chugged like a big giant glass of ice cold water? It just like sits in your stomach and just feels gross. I mean, I get you chug a beer, but it's different. Unless oh. you burp with a beer, nothing comes up when you chug water. No, like I, dude, I chug an ice cold water every morning when I wake up. Like I, speaking I keep, of psychopath, <laughs> I keep glasses. Look at how watered down this beer looks in my, in my camera. Uh, I keep like ice cold glasses in my freezer at all times, like a goddamn alcoholic. What are you even drinking? Coors? No, Bud Light, always Bud Light. Okay. But uh, right. I guess we could kind of hit towards it. We can't announce it yet, but we do have ourselves a nice new sponsor for the new year. That we yeah. can't talk about yet, but maybe they'll be, uh, the hint is maybe they'll be sending us some uh, nice cold beverages so we don't have to drink the, the watered down shit, huh? Yeah, I'll gladly drink a cold beer, uh, cold beer uh, on, our, on our podcast here for okay, sure. Okay, there we go. Yeah, you got to stop with the room temperature water. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, you, no, I'll drink some room temperature warm beer. How about that? You know, you're supposed to drink beer like that. That's like how it's supposed to be consumed is room temperature and it's supposed to always stay like in a like cool, dry spot with no light. That's why they say like out of the keg is like 100% the way it's supposed to be consumed. But yeah, not not for me. Um, so this uh, episode is kind of a sad, gloomy one. As I was looking over my notes, if it were a Christmas movie, it would be uh, Iron Man 3 or, uh, or something along those lines. Uh, you know, let's not really... Um, beat around the bush here let's talk about the league going into another pause they announced today i guess was the official announcement that they're going to pause all operations including practices starting tomorrow night i'm assuming midnight Uh, there's no set time but it's going to go until the day after christmas um yeah i think it was something like 90 plus players tested positive and were in covid protocol uh less than half the league were unaffected by it but there were still a lot of guys that were at least testing positive. So they decided to postpone it so that these guys weren't going to be stuck across Canadian borders during the holidays, yada, yada, yada. I guess the big question here is people are wondering, is it really only going to be a week-long break? Or are we looking at something that's just going to blow you know, out of proportion? Well, you look at it, right? Like, let's say, okay, so they're playing, like there's a game tonight, there's two games tomorrow, right? And then let's say there's a league-wide shutdown here starting the 22nd for everybody. Just say start the 22nd, right? That's – if you go until the Winter Classic, which is just going to be – assuming that still happens, it's outdoor. I'm assuming it probably will. That's 10 days. So that's the quarantine factor for COVID anyway. So you go a full 10-day pause, everything would reset. And then 
Yeah, you're good. And, and to speak to it more, I think as of uh, like this afternoon, it was 119 players in active protocols, over 16% of the NHL, like active rosters, 23 teams have at least one player in protocol, five head coaches, 42 games postponed, nine teams have facilities closed, 19 teams have no games until after Christmas. So um, that's changed, I think, even more so in the last few hours. Um, But yeah, I mean, I get why, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like if you stop it here and you're able to push stuff until the new year, um, maybe, because I think that's probably where it's probably going, where it's like, if you pause from just now a week, I don't think it solves the problem. But if you go for a full 10 days, which would be right at the new year, I think that puts it in a spot where you can then unfortunately say, yeah, sorry, Olympics are happening. But good news is we got through this push and now we have the Olympic break to make up these games. Yeah, that was part of the announcement as well, is that they aren't going to be sending their players off uh, to Beijing for the, the Winter Olympics this year, which is no surprise. I think we might have even talked about it on our last podcast. They were going to be looking at a three to five week quarantine if they test positive over in a foreign country. They were going to be holding their teams back. They're going to be away from their families. There were players already opting out. I know Robin Leonard was one of the ones that we talked about that was vocal about not wanting to compete. Uh, oh, he wanted to, it just you know wasn't in the cards with the way the world's set up right now. Um, so I guess they're saying that this break is officially only going to be four days for players that can't practice. Like, I think some of them are going to be returning to practice the day after Christmas, correct? I believe it's like only the player, only like only the players themselves can come to the team facilities and they have to get tested. And then depending on test results, either can stay or go or something along those lines. Right. And I mean, to kind of reference it, to use uh, a Christmas reference, it's the snowball effect, right? Uh, shit, my numbers were off, and I remember looking it up just a matter of a few days ago. Um, and yeah, a reset is great, and it's nice. It's it's also good to hear that majority of these players, I think now going back to my 90 that I saw had tested positive in COVID protocol, they said only two of them were considered not able to play, not fit yeah. to play by physicians. So if you're uh, on hockey Twitter, you've probably seen the Stevie Y interview in which he makes the big statement that a lot of people have been thinking, why are we testing these players if they're asymptomatic? Uh, a lot of these guys are ready to play. They don't want another pause. They definitely don't want another bubble situation, especially if they're not sick. Here's the question, though, is uh, where do you sit with that? I mean, we're, we're going to teeter on the politics here. Let's leave the the political bullshit aside, let's just talk about what we think is safe for the league, what's smart for the players uh, and so forth. Do you think that they should be testing from here on out or do you think that they should keep continuing what they're doing? So let's look at it this way, right? I mean, every pro, I mean, I would say every, if you're just gonna look at it from a, a simple level, every major professional sports league that's going on right now, football, NFL, NBA, NHL, you even want to lump in like soccer, like English Premier League as well. Like all of these leagues basically have like, except maybe one or two sticklers, like a like a Bertuzzi on the Red Wings. Like you need to get vaccinated, and like if you get vaccinated, we're not gonna have these protocols, we're not gonna have these lockdowns. You gotta play, and then every single team has done it. Maybe ninety five percent, maybe mostly one hundred percent, whatever the case is. And you're still having these major outbreaks in terms of you're testing positive, but I'm feeling fine. 
So like, I get it from the perspective of like, oh, if you test positive, like, you know, consider the folks maybe that are going to the games that could get it and spread it or consider the, you know, family members you could spread it to or whatever. But like, yeah, at that point, I'm like, odds are, I'm assuming if a professional athlete is getting the COVID jab, most likely there's significant other and family if eligible are probably getting it too. Um, but again, yeah, the way I see it is it's like, you have these mandates in place and they're meant to stop these situations of having to shut games down. And then no one wants to come out and admit, yo, uh, we fucked up. This isn't doing anything. Like it's not just our league. It's not just their league. It's every league that exists right now. Right. So it's a situation where, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it comes down to if you're having symptoms, you need to get tested. And like, I don't feel like there's really a way of, of hiding that in a sense of you come in and get a daily test you're probably getting checked for a fever or, you know, so-and-so was coughing a lot in the locker room or, you know, whatever the case is. Like, I feel like to a degree, you know, even if you want to play honor system, some of that's going to be pretty difficult to hide. Um, But then the flip side of it is like, oh, you're in game seven of the playoffs and Alex Petrangelo is now coughing a bunch, but, no one on the team saw anything. So we're not going to say anything. And, you know, what do you like? It's a fine line. Like that's the way I look at it too, is there's all these what if scenarios that come into play. How do you combat that? So I think that's something the league now the NHL needs to figure out, but the rest of these professional leagues as well. Um, And just, yeah, come to agreement. I think the simple solution is if you're asymptomatic, like move on. And if you have symptoms, like it makes sense to go through it, I feel like. Um, do I feel like if you have symptoms, you should necessarily have to go a week and a half to, you know, two weeks before you can come back on the ice? Not necessarily. Um, but I mean, that's that's my take. So listen up, goons. Gotta interrupt the podcast to talk about another one of our amazing sponsors, Shortside Co., a hockey apparel and accessory company. Established in 2020, Shortside is a Minnesota-based company with all four owners having a combined 25 years of professional hockey experience. All of their tape is made in the USA, tested and certified by NHL players, including Nate Schmidt. We had him on the podcast, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. He's a beauty. All of their products are created by players for players. Going Shortside is a lifestyle. But why go Shortside? Well, scoring goals is their passion. There are many variables that come into play in order to score a goal high on the short side, but it all starts with a perfectly executed tape job. After scoring goals in every league from mites to the NHL, they are confident that their product will be a staple in any locker room. For individuals and organizations looking to join the short side community, go to www.goshortside.com. It's an illusion of safety, but, but honestly, if they were concerned about that, then they wouldn't be letting players like Bertuzzi continue to compete without being vaccinated. Cause at that point it's, it is about player safety. No. Um, and that's where it's really hard. And that's where it gets tricky. Cause not every single one of these players are vaccinated. I mean, 99.9% are, and that's, what's important. Right. But at the end of the day, you really have to contain it to a situation where these guys know what they're getting into. 
This is their job. They are trained athletes. Their bodies are their work tools, if you will, and they need to take good care of them. And if they get sick, they need to be responsible for that and act accordingly and, uh, you know, work with these team physicians and doctors. And as you said, if you got a fever and you're showing symptoms and you test positive, I mean, that's just at that point, you know, it's just wise thoughts to keep them away from the rest of your team because you just don't want anyone to feel bad anyways whether or not it's covid the flu or even just a cough um what what's interesting though is is in my take is they should force some sort of vaccination which is something that i'm actually not for outside of that i think it should be everyone's choice but it's also an elective to have this job you play for the NHL. If this is their requirement to play for the league, you should do it for the safety of your teammates and for the other people that are responsible for your job. Uh, but I also think if you're doing, if you're forcing some sort of uh, vaccination amongst these players and they all agree to do it, then it should be a scenario where if you're asymptomatic and you're feeling fine, you can play, but otherwise you know, just stay home. I, I it's, it just seems like, I feel like I'm making it, I'm churching it up and making it sound like it's something crazier than it is to just, Hey, look out for the safety and well being of yourself, your players and your opponents. I don't understand how it's more difficult than that. And I'm sure these guys are just as frustrated to be feeling perfectly fine and not being able to work. Yeah. And like, I think it simply comes down to the fact that again, there's some political is what it is. It's like the vaccination has basically been said like to a lesser degree like what is it whatever the percentage is like it's gonna maybe prevent someone from getting this you know virus by x percent which is pretty low but the goal is to stop serious symptoms and to stop people from being hospitalized and having to you know stay at home on their bed because they feel exhausted and, like that's what it's done and like that's what it's doing with these players because again as you can read like I think it was uh, Bo Horvat or whatever on the Canucks was like, yeah, I'm glad we all are vaccinated because of this outbreak. There's like one guy that probably shouldn't be able to do anything, but everyone else feels totally fine. So like, what do you want us to do? Like, so in that sense, it's doing, doing his job. Yeah, so and- it's, exactly. So it's like, this is why we got it. We're going to constantly test and then quarantine me, even though I feel fine. Or like I said, like like for example, like, you know, as a blues fan, like Bennington's like, yeah, I had a head cold for like two days and I had to sit around for a week. Like, what, what do I do? Like, I, right. I, I, I got to find shit to do because I can't do anything hockey related. So, and I guarantee you, these guys have fought through way worse illnesses and injuries. It just comes with the job, yeah. you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope they figure it out, but it sounds like they're going to go back to testing uh, to, to show that they're still concerned, I guess, for the safety of these players, but it, are they, they're not getting paid, right? So, like, if they test, if they test positive, and they have to They're sit out. Paid. Okay, so what's the deal with the the payment then? Because, like, I thought they said if you get ill from a COVID related symptom, you're you're not covered. By... That's if you're unvaccinated. Oh, okay, so that's yes. the only. So that that's would only apply to Bertuzzi or like in a handful of players. Pretty much, yeah. That's my okay. understanding. So, like, yeah, if you're following league protocols, like, there's no reason for them to take your money away. It's more on the team side where it's being treated as um, I guess uh, an illness versus where it's like, Oh, I could have bad food poisoning and be ill for a day and miss a game and come back versus you're physically forcing me to sit out for 10 days at least. And you're giving my team no cap relief. Yeah. Um, 
which yeah, again, was that whole situation where the blues, it was from like November 24th to like December 12th that the blues didn't have a full roster. They couldn't, they couldn't put on the ice because the stupid rules are, Oh, you have to play short before you can emergency call someone up. And then we would do that. And then that same game, the blues would get someone injured. So they'd call someone up who was already injured because someone else got injured. You couldn't call someone up. So you played again without that person. And then you do that. And then someone else gets injured. It's just a fucking snowball effect. But um, that's was it the Islanders? Was it the Islanders that played with like 11 forwards and, and six deep or something like that? It was like 17 players. Yeah. That's, just, it, that's not healthy for them either. Correct. You know, it, that, they're that's running what themselves we discussed ragged. last time is, yeah, again, you're having players who feel obligated, like, oh, you know, I probably have a fucked up ankle or maybe I tweaked my oblique, but like I'm 70%, but like I have to play because I don't want my team to be down an extra skater. Like I have to do it. And then you go hurt more or you know, whatever the case is, it's just not good. But um, yeah, that's that. I mean, the other thing I, I did want to, I guess, get on too was, and it was not in our notes, but um, for, whatever, for whatever reason, it's been a trend in the, in the league with the sort of bad hits leading to people getting stretchered off. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You obviously had, um, you know, Kyra on the Blackhawks who got hit and, you know, that was – it was a clean hit on him and it, it led to him being, you know, taken off the ice. And then I think the most recent one was uh, what yesterday or the day before Tanner Caro of the stars where, yeah, that one was pretty bad. The guys had him lined up for a good two or three seconds. and was just waiting for the puck to like be in his skates where he blew him up and then hits his head and then gets stretchered off. And then I don't know if you saw the, the post game presser with Pavelski. Um, yeah, he was tearing up. Yeah, yeah. he was just like breaking down. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's obviously stuff for whatever reason is cropped up back to back between those two. And then the Jason Spezza, like knee to the head of the guy who's like, you know, down on the ice, like it's been a lot of dirty stuff going on, but I think there's also a lot of discussion around we need to stop these dirty hits in hockey. And seemingly the argument is we need to basically stop bad hits in general and so all of a sudden you're going to have the idea is to i guess essentially make people think twice about hitting someone right and if you're having to think twice about hitting someone you're you're not going to hit them right any checking or anything in the game anymore so yeah i mean it's you're talking about softening up the game and when you mentioned you know bad hits or dirty hits it's like they're they're not it's just these guys aren't keeping their head on a swivel like they used to and i honestly have a theory about that i i think that the league is resting somewhere in this gray area where it's not as hard and brutal as it used to be it's not all flash and hands like they're doing in the khl and these other european leagues it's just in the middle right so these guys that are up and coming that haven't been playing in the league for very long aren't expecting these hits and then the guys that have been around and through the knit and grit are throwing what they would think is fair, clean hits. And these guys aren't prepared for them. And there's nothing worse than that. You know, it's, it's, it's almost Bush league to, to have your head down. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to say that that one hit from the guy that was on, uh, I'm sorry, the, on the Blackhawks. I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, yeah. He was just, it was unfortunate. He was looking at the puck as it was going from his skate to his stick. And yeah he got hit and you and know, think, it wasn't intentional. And I think that's what people don't realize either is like, 
when you're playing in a developmental league, like even like honestly, the AHL to a degree, like most of the time you're out there against guys who are, you know, 18 to like 23, 24, 25, like may have a couple of veteran guys for leadership presence or whatever, but like, you're going to go against a guy who's still developing and who's like, you know, six foot, 190 pounds soaking wet. And they're going to hit you with your head down. It's completely different from a six foot five, 240 guy skating at you. It's 240 pound guy skating at you and blowing you up. Like you're not used to that. You don't see that in any other league because these guys train their ass off to bulk up and to get to that level and kind of define their craft. But the flip side of it too, is like, like the, the thing that no one talks about, especially is like these kids, they grew up in the generation of going back to like the, I mean, maybe it's a little more phased out, but like, even like, you know, just thinking of like a, a Trevor Zegris or a, you know, Lafreniere or even a McDavid, like they grew up watching hockey with like these heavy hits and these fights, even in the nineties and early two thousands and potentially even part of the early 2010s, like, they know what they've signed up for and they know what happens in NHL and they're willingly putting their body on the line every day. And they've accepted these risks. Like no one wants to talk about that aspect of it. They just want to talk about how this is bad. It needs to go because of X, Y, and Z. And yes, it is bad. People getting head injuries is not great, but also they assume and understand the risk that they're getting themselves into. And they therefore get compensated quite well for these risks right and not to say money is everything but they know what they're doing like i would much rather take league minimum than making it barely in a sales job and hating my life and maybe i get concussed a couple of times like it's shitty to say i'm not advocating that like head hits are good or like concussions are good long term because we've seen the effects of people taking their lives from and it's unfortunate but in the long run like you're doing it because you understand what could happen but you also love what you do so it's a fight. Right. And you mentioned they observed and they trained for this job. I mean, it's no different than a chef cutting himself in the kitchen or a firefighter burning himself while, you know, going into a house while it's on fire. It's like it's part of their job. But I think that the issue is, is they haven't had enough time in the show to get accustomed to that. And maybe maybe that big hit will wake them up they're, from there on out. You said they're, they're going to start to bulk up. They're going to change a little bit with the game and, and kind of prepare for these big hits or maybe even start throwing their weight around as well. well We've it's seen not even guys- that. It's, it's more of just like to be in the NHL, the greatest hockey league in the world. Like you have to be at your top performance and like not everyone's going to bulk up and be this jacked guy, but like you're going to see that in this league versus again, like a, a, a six foot, you know, hundred, like I said, 190 pound, like offensive defenseman who's more likely going to like hold you against the boards or like poke check you versus like blow you up with a big hit. Like it's just night and day different. I feel like. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so let, let's kind of take those two topics and, and move forward in a sense that we, we did touch base on the fact that the Olympics aren't going to be happening for NHL players. At least that's to our understanding. I'm, I'm assuming that's league wide. Um, the big question is, is that going to hurt the sport uh, were we going to see this sport grow in a new way, having it moved on uh, to the Olympic level and something that, you know, a lot of these kids haven't seen and maybe might open up some doors for some people that are more casual sports fans. I mean, basically, I guess the long and short is it short of it is, do you think that this is going to hurt or is the, are we going to thrive from this by keeping our, our players here and, and maybe concentrating more on growing the all-star game and getting these, these teams ready for the playoffs? 
So it's interesting because you look at it in a sense of like, this isn't anything different from really last Olympics. Like it was the same thing in 2018 where you had just a bunch of kind of like young kids, uh, you know, go over and sort of, I guess not all young kids, but like, you know, fringe NHLers or, you know, some maybe college kids type stuff, that sort of a thing go over like, um, yeah, and, and see what happens. Like, I think like Troy Terry, for example, I think was on the 2018 like Olympic roster. Um, but it's just a situation where it's not something we haven't seen before. Um, but I guess my question is, is it the say, is it a standard of like the AHL and the NHL obviously have an agreement. So like if I'm an AHLer, like, am I allowed to go if I want to, like I'm playing under AHL terms, like you could have my contract brought up to the NHL, but like I'm in the AHL at the moment I'm making my decision. So is there like an agreement there? Like if NHL doesn't go, AHL can't go either. Like, I don't, I don't know. So I wonder, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's obviously a situation where you're very rarely do you get to see the best players of every country, you know, play for Olympic medal. And like, it's a cool thing to see, like, and it's one of those things everyone kind of gets their, their sort of, you know, fantasy like GM where it's like, Oh, I can put all these guys on one team and have a, you know, turn off the salary cap and have a roster that pays $200 million a year. And, you know, my fourth line is a center of Ryan O'Reilly or, you know, something crazy like that. So, I mean, it sucks if it doesn't happen, but I, it also makes you wonder, like, let's say hypothetically speaking, if the Olympics were held in like Vancouver again or somewhere in, you know, like Minnesota or something like that, like, would we be having this conversation still or not? Like that, that's what I wonder. And probably, like, probably not. It's just the fact that it was, you know, in a different country that that's going to take a big, big toll with the fact that there were going to be three to five weeks when it comes to the quarantine situation. I think the big ordeal is the fact that we're getting in a situation where the main priority is to finish an 82 game season for the NHL to get it back on track, to get the money flowing for these clubs and, and get the, the um, all the spotlight back on the NHL. Right. I, I think sending these players off to the Olympics, it wasn't going to do that. It, it was a, it was a beautiful idea. It would have been fun. Like you said, playing fantasy GM without any sort of uh cap limit and in, in to see what these guys can do. But yeah, it, it seems almost like it was too good to be true. And personally, I think it's rad that we're going to see a lot of these guys have another platform, um, these more unknowns that don't play for the NHL. We're going to see these guys have an opportunity to shine. Like you said, some young guys, some fringe players, some college dudes. It's It's their chance to really show the world what they can do. But not only that it's giving them the opportunity for these scouts in these leagues to, to see what they're capable of because we, we missed a whole year of that. And that's going to affect the drafting of the NHL for years to come because these kids weren't really like, Hey, look what I can do. Look what I could do is really just hearsay or what they were doing on like a high school level. It wasn't much of anything as far as, um, tournaments go to like to bring the light and what better way than the Olympics I would assume that the AHL is going to be good to go I mean that would be really messed up to be a fringe 
NHLer that knows you're not going to get the opportunity to get called up, but you get the opportunity to go play for your country and that puts you in a shitty situation. That seems unfair to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where we'll see. Obviously, it's a lot different of a situation when it comes to, you know, the cold COVID situation as opposed to 2018, where it was like a difference between, you know, the NHL and NHLPA not agreeing. It's they obviously came to an agreement here. It's just shitty circumstances. Um, you want know, a fun uh, trivia fact that I just remember and was looking up because I'm like, I think I remember who won in the 2018 Olympics, but I forgot it's technically not true. Do you remember who won? No, I do not. So most people, if you, if you watch like, oh, Russia won, like, no, Russia didn't win because Russia was banned from the Olympics. The Olympic athletes from Russia oh, won the gold man. medal. So, so we, it was because they tested positive for performance enhancing yeah. drugs, right? Yeah. So what so. happened? They were those, the ones that didn't test positive were able to still compete, but just not under Russia's name. Correct. They were just athletes that were from Russia. So like technically Russia didn't win any gold medals or silver or bronze. Wow. They just happened to be from Russia, but were banned from participating for their country, but they still did. It was stupid, but wow. Hey, what's up, everyone? We're interrupting the Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast to talk about one of our awesome sponsors. Big Balls Kickball is St. Louis's premier adult kickball league, bringing you the best game in town since 2007. Veteran owned and operated, they strive to bring out the kid in everyone, and they let you let loose and make new friends on that field. Big Balls welcomes players from all walks of life, and they pride themselves on being one of the most inclusive leagues out there. If that's not enough, they also offer Big Balls apparel. That's right. They sell clothing, all that stuff, and it's rad. Me and Tommy have some. We've been rocking them. They go back with the retro designs, back to the 90s, back to your childhood, all of that. So be sure to go and check out Big Balls Kickball at www.stlbigballs.com. All right, so yeah, let's move let's move on a little bit. Um I guess like I said this is kind of a grim episode. Um there's not a lot of fun things to talk about. We're getting ready to head into this pause. Um and you know, we're dealing with all the COVID outbreaks, but in, amidst that, it looks like Ben Bishop has decided to call it career and that is uh due to his uh, ever uh nagging injury with his knees and he had an injury um for it a couple of years ago to my knowledge. And then he had several surgeries. I didn't realize the guy was 35 years old. That just blew my mind, man. His career just zoomed right past. And it sucks because he was a great goaltender that never really got to play to his highest potential. So it's just crazy to think what he would be today. Had he had been healthy. Um, what's uh, what's your two, uh, two cents on that, man. I know obviously Ben Bishop, St. Louis boy. I mean, he's, he's got to hold a special place in your heart somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, it's like shitty to see for anybody quite honestly, but he has like a, what degenerative like knee issue. So yeah, he went down and had like a, I think probably just a rehab start in the NHL. Like this is the best I can get it. Let me at least see what I can do. And then it just got lit up. And then he's like, yeah, I can't, it's not getting any better. Like it is what it is. So had to retire, which, which stinks, but I mean, the guy, I mean, he, he played well for obviously when he was in the league, um, when he was healthy, but it was more, I think came down to, like you said, he just like, it was weird for a guy that's like, I feel like as good as he was, he like bounced around way too much. 
Like he went from the blues to the senators, to the lightning. He got spent some time with the Kings. Um, I don't even remember that. I, yeah, I, I then, obviously remember Tampa. And then it seemed to me that he went from, was it not Tampa to Dallas? He went to the Kings, then Dallas. Yeah. I think he got traded mid season to the Kings or something along those lines, which was, yeah, weird. Cause I heard I like it barely registers in my head, but yeah, then went to the stars and like, I mean, it's crazy to think that like his second to last season, dude had a 1.98 goals against and a 0.934 save percentage. Like, I mean, he played nuts. Right. And like, um, you know, he was obviously, obviously lights out in that series against yeah, the Blues too. That was, I mean, yeah, that was the year with the the crazy overtime game seven, and like no one could score. It took a crazy bounce and a crazy you know situation to for the Blues to win that game. But yeah, I mean. And then you just kind of go down and have a knee issue and just can't fix it. And it, it sucks. I mean, yeah, dude, that hell of a career just for whatever reason, just kind of fell off and is what it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, if honestly, you put another, you know, the years that he's not injured, you put another two, three years under his belt. I mean, he's got, he'll have, he would have had, you know, 350 wins as a goalie probably realistically speaking are right around there and you know that's pretty damn good um just yeah he just happened to like you know blues drafted him and then never got a chance really with the blues and then traded him to ottawa and bounced around there for a bit and then you know at that point he's hitting his like what mid to late 20s i think or like 25 26 and then obviously got a shot in tampa um but yeah i mean sucks to see it happen but um Hell of a career, to say yeah. the least, like you said, even though he never quite uh, bloomed into into the goaltender that everyone kind of thought he would. Um, you know, his numbers do support the fact that he had a lot of talent, for sure. Like that's, um, what, that's what's crazy. It's, like, it's not like he didn't play a lot of hockey. Like, he almost started – he started 397 games. You know what I mean? Like, he played a lot of hockey for, for what that is. I mean, you take that into consideration and you assume workhorse goalie – you know, puts together 60 games in a year, you know what, that's, that's about seven solid years of goaltending. It's just for whatever reason, like, yeah, we're playing in a small market, like St. Louis briefly. And then Ottawa has never been really that great, especially at that time. And then Tampa who really didn't do a whole lot while he was there. And then to the stars where, Oh, you go to the cup, but like you're hurt. So like Hudobin takes over. So it's like all these chances where like you kind of played in a market where like, the spotlight was never really on him. So I kind of just feel like even though he played good hockey, it just kind of, you know, oversaw him quite a bit. And he was backing up Hudobin, right? During their, their big cup run. What was that last so, year yeah. or no, two years ago or two seasons ago, he was backing him up and I believe he played one game and got lit up. So it goes to show you that he was probably playing injured at that moment, considering he's retired now. I mean, it's not like it was just a, it's a rock throw away. He, he was clearly battling an injury then. Um, yeah, I need to, I need to share my Ben Bishop story again. I feel like I, I have at least to you while we were drunk, but I I can't remember if I ever did on the podcast. I was, um, I was Ubering when I was back in St. Louis and, uh, I heard uh, a tip that if you go out to like West County, like super deep, um, probably like around 5 PM when there's a seven o'clock St. Louis blues game downtown, you'll get, you'll get like a trip to the city, which is a good 45 minutes to an hour sometimes trip into the city. It's good money. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try this out. So I went out to like town and country out in West County, like real deep. And sure enough, I got a ride and 
picked up these people that, that piled into my car and they were all like in head to toe Dallas stars gear and, and not like the traditional like jerseys or anything. They had like fleece jackets and like brand new hats. It looked like they literally had just like looked up how to be a Dallas stars fan and then just tried to mimic it. And they got in my car and I was like, all right, get the fuck out. And they all started laughing, which is good because I, that's probably not any way to greet them into your car. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, no, we're blues fans. I was like, oh, well, you got a funny way of showing it. And they're like, oh, we got a good excuse. Like, why is that? And like, well, Ben Bishop's our son and he's in starting goal, but not for the blues tonight. And um, yeah, it was mind blowing. And they, they, they talked about how they, they were huge blues fans. Ben Bishop was, you know, he grew up a blues fan uh, and they were all really heartbroken that they decided to go with Jake Allen instead of Ben Bishop, which is crazy to think about. They went Jake Allen because he was a year or two younger than Ben Bishop at the time. Uh, clearly Bishop went on to, to, I would say he's got to have a better overall stat record than Jake Allen. Hey, Jake Allen's got a cup and he doesn't. That's what I'm getting at though. It's crazy to think had they had held up onto Ben Bishop, they would have still probably won the cup. Right. Cause like Jake Allen lost his job to a dude that wasn't even at rookie camp. Um, you know, and obviously we already know the history of that and the blues went on to win a cup with Jordan bidding to the net, but I mean, it's crazy. I think Ben Bishop could have had a cup. Like he could have been very well, the backup that was the starter at that time. Um, just absolutely crazy to think about hell of a career though. Uh, that, that, um, post not post game, but they interviewed him and, and man, he, he thanked his teams. He thanked uh, the fans and it, it, it choked me up as well, man. He had, he had some tears flowing and seems like a really good dude. Uh, I'm sure he's got a job somewhere waiting for him, whether it's with the Dallas stars organization or the St. Louis blues, I'm sure the guy's going to fit in nicely somewhere. Yeah. Um, I was going to, I was yeah, going to, go I know we have one other goalie note, but I wanted to throw in another just to brighten this up uh, a Lindgren? little bit. Yeah, give up some, yeah, some holiday. Chucky cheer. Sideburns, is that his name? Chucky Sideburns, yeah. Charlie Love Lee, that, Charlie golden Lindgren. nickname. Yeah, it's, it's literally, it's like another, like, what's going on here? Like, literally, Blue's fourth string goalie, like, the only reason that he is even called up to begin with is the stupid in circumstances where it's like, he's making league minimum, but our actual third string goalie, Joel Hoffer, um, he's making slightly above league winner, which would be okay. But because of a rookie contract, there's all these incentives that are added in. So because those incentives are there, he could potentially hit them. The blues would go over the cap. So they couldn't call him up. So he hasn't even been able to be called up because of these reasons. Oh, the wow. COVID and not being on long-term IR <laughs> bullshit. Um, so yeah, he gets the call up instead. And he's, uh, his, uh, he's cursing his agent. He's like, damn you with the one. No, that's perk. that's the thing is like every rookie contract gets this. Like it's, it's okay. kind of like standardized to a degree. So not even his agents fall quite honestly, but um, yeah, it's like, again, go back to 2019, a random fourth string goalie just comes up and blows everyone out of the water. And now it's like, oh, fourth string goalie through two years, three years later, like the first blues goalie to ever win their first five starts. Um and f- fun fact, I don't know if you remember when the Blues had their carousel like 10, 12 years ago, they had like eight goalies. Um, there was another goalie that did win his first five starts, uh, Reinhard Divas. Uh, look up, if you look up his p- photo, dudes. Oh, what has he got the chops too? Is that like he, a he's, thing? He's not a beauty, I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, but yeah, he actually like, he started a game, but like I think didn't finish it and got a no decision, but like won five. 
So like it technically wasn't his first five, but either way, yeah, I mean, dudes come up, you know, five games, five wins, 1.22 goals against, you know, 90, 0.958 save percentage. Like what? And like, you go from being like a career backup fringe guy on the, on, on you know, the Canadians where you're the third string goalie there. And then they cut you loose. The blues sign you to a, as your fourth string, you're like, all right, whatever. And then you come up and just for whatever reason it's working along with all these other AHLers, the blues are calling up. Wait, wait. So was he picked up on waivers? Is that what happened? No. So we signed him to like a one year, two way deal um, for depth. Uh, but like he plays played nuts, like in the AHL from what I remember too. Um, so far this year, like he's played really good, um, which is kind of almost like a blessing in disguise. It's like, you're letting your true, like, back up third string guy actually get full playing time while this guy comes up i guess hey he went eight one and one in the hl this year the 2.16 goals against and like 9.925 save percentage like and he played really good down there too like right and he's um, five and oh yeah like, i don't know that's crazy absolutely I, so so what happens if Huso's healthy like do you, right. I mean, yeah i mean that that's the tricky thing like do you send them back down to the HL and then he splits time with your other goalie prospect? Like, do you pull what they did with the whole John Gillies where they signed this guy off the streets basically on like a ECHL contract to start one game and he plays his ass off and like gets a loses on that penalty shot against the Ducks and then he's like gets flipped to the Devils and now he's like their backup third string goalie. So he went from like this ECHL guy to like immediately like back up to like third string guy like that, despite he played like one pretty solid game. Yeah. Yo, hey, we'll give you a cheesy Gordy to crunch and a 40 ounce of uh, Bud Light. Yeah, you, come, you come play for the St. Louis Blues. Future um, considerations. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I love the dude. He, he really has like a personality about him too. And, and I, I, I love hearing stories about guys getting the golden opportunity. I mean, I was in love with Bennington. Like he really revived my my uh feelings towards the blues because you know i actually grew up uh, a goaltender and uh i loved watching you know curtis joseph grant fuhrer and then there was just there's just horrible drought when it came to the st louis blues and it was just like hard to watch you know it, it, it the goaltending was a huge issue jordy Bennington shows up he's got this personality now you got this other guy that shows up that's you know got this amazing fucking physique right he's just looking like he's straight up from like a 1970s rookie card i i think you said it looks like a dude that you would ask like hey to stick around and play in your beer league because you're going yeah exactly 100 that's perfect that's perfect all right i gotta interrupt the podcast to talk about another one of our amazing sponsors that's right black heart inc is not only a tattoo brand but a culture in itself Established since 2021, right here in Las Vegas, Nevada, Black Heart provides the highest in quality and luxury in custom body art. Black Heart Inc. is a tattoo shop like no other around the Las Vegas area. And ever since I moved here, I've been searching around. So trust me, there's some quality work going out of this shop, providing acceptance of all walks of life through the art, the communication of the image that displays or conveys a statement. It can be very powerful. Through art and tattoos, Black Heart Inc. will continue to defy the status quo, not just now, but for years to come. Make sure you check them out at www.blackheartinc702.com. If you mention the Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast, you can get $60 Halloween flash tattoos. That's right. 60 bucks gets you a creepy new tattoo this October. They can do 
same day appointments, local and group discounts. They make sure they honor the military. And if you go in and you mention the Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast and that you're a VGK fan, they will do a $100 flash tattoo of a Vegas Golden Knights logo. That's right. A $100 flash tattoo of a Vegas Golden Knights logo. I got one myself on my arm. So make sure you guys check it out. www.blackheartinc702.com. So yeah, that about wraps up like what we were going to talk about. Um, we want to wish everyone a happy holidays and Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Uh, you got New Year's around the corner. Um, what are your plans? You got any, any crazy plans for to bring in uh, 2022? Uh can make St. Louis see some family and stuff. And then uh, I guess uh, pandemic willing, hoping to go to the winter classic, but uh, right. We'll see what the hell happens with that at this point. So. That's supposed to take place in Minnesota. I remember. So you were chilling, you're chilling on the new year so that you can potentially, I mean, I guess they need to figure that out soon. Right. If that's going to happen. I mean, I would assume so it's outdoor. It's an outdoor game. There's a lot of money on the line. Uh, a lot of people are, have already had travel plans in place around the holidays for it. I I, I hope to God it, it, it you know it holds up. I mean, for your sake and you know the sake of a lot of other fans for sure. I mean, yeah, forty thousand. I think it holds forty thousand people all outside. I mean, we'll see what happens so with it. Quite honestly, but I mean, yeah, I, it's, I'm not holding my breath by any means. But um, I think I'm gonna be playing it safe and biting the bullet and probably driving up there as opposed to you know, dishing out like, you know, three, $400 for a flight to come and find out like, Hey, you flew in games off. You know what I mean? Like, was, right. So, well, I mean, worst case scenario, you get more time with the fam. So that's, that's, yeah. that's a plus on that as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's answer some of these questions that we got. Um, Sam Crafton. What's up, buddy. Uh, he wants to know if flurry, Oh, we didn't talk about flurry. <laughs> I was going to bring it up. We can, we can loop it into this question. So Mark Andre Fleury, he kind of did a big deal. He uh, won 500 wins in the NHL. Unfortunately, we had to see him doing it wearing a fucking Blackhawk sweater, but that's besides the point. They did a beautiful thing, man. They honored it really well. He had this commemorative mask. They did a tribute video on the mask. They were cool enough to put like um, the logos of every team he's played for in the NHL it was a beauty. We posted about it. So if you haven't seen it, go to our Facebook page and you can see that. Um, but yeah, so he hit 500 wins, which is a milestone on its own. I think that puts him what? And in, in fifth of all time wins, something like that. Like it joins, he joined the ranks with like Brador and wah, which is like crazy, you know, to think that you're, you're right there. Third all time. Third. Okay. Yeah. So who's ahead of him? Is it Bredor and Wah? So Flurry now has 501, Wah with 551, and then Blues legend Martin Brodeur with 691. Okay. So he's not touching Brodeur. Uh, but the real question here is, is Sam wants to know, will Flurry finish the season with the Blackhawks? Um, I'll, I'll chime in first with my take here. Uh, it depends on if they're in a playoff spot. That's for, for damn sure. But if they're not, I I don't know, man. There, uh, did you read that article that Flurry's wife wrote about him? This beautiful thing about him winning the 500 games. Did you see it? Yeah. Okay. In there, it kind of felt like the beginning of the end. Like I'm real proud of you. That 500 game milestone was like such a huge thing to him. Like it had been in the back of his head since he hit 400 wins. Um, I think that's his closure. I think he. I think that in his head. 
he hit that 500 win milestone. He's in the third of all time. He's probably not going to touch the number one could have potentially touched number two, but yeah, I, I, to me, I think that was the, the, the beginning of the end for him. I, I think he's got this, um, idea in his head that this could potentially be his last season, maybe one more if Pittsburgh comes calling or, or the right team comes around. He's not going to want to uproot his family again and move him everywhere, you know, across the country or into Canada. Yeah. I think it's the beginning of the end, like I said, and I, if he gets the opportunity to go to a team and even as a backup, you know, at trade deadline for somebody as they're making a deep playoff run, then yeah, I think he would want to take that. Why wouldn't the Hawks want to get, you know, a, a second or third round pick out of it, you know, for holding on to him? I, I I could see him finishing out the season with somebody that's a strong contender for the cup again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who that is, is, is to be determined, I feel like. I mean, that's the tricky part, too, is like, like, obviously, it's like everyone thinks, oh, Flurry, Pittsburgh, match made in heaven to go back and finish out there, right? But it's like fucking... Tristan Yari has played his ass off as a fucking 1.9 goals against and like 93 save percentage after blowing up in the playoffs with half his team, not, not healthy. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you just tell your future starter at this point, like, Hey, F you take a back seat, the flurry, because I said, so like, I don't know. Also, I don't think the GM's not there anymore that, you know, drafted him. So maybe that makes it less unlikely. Um, But yeah, I mean, someone can use him. I'm sure who that's going to be is going to be interesting. And it's also comes down to, yeah, I mean, he's got a modified no trade. So what do you do with that? Like, I mean, do the black, I mean, could the black Hawks pull a yeah. situation where it's like, Oh, you gave me 10 teams. You know, I'm going to flip you to one that's not in the playoffs spot. Cause they were the highest bidder. Like I highly doubt it. Oh yeah. I mean, he's going to waive that for the opportunity to go win the cup one more time, you know, even if it is as a backup, you know, what's actually really funny to think about is it's been brought up obviously as pretty much a joke, but you're responsible for only the cap at the trade deadline for the rest of the year, right. which flurry, I think was at the 7 million mark. So that would shed quite a few, dollars off of that like you could in theory so yeah yeah that's what i'm saying so like he, at that at that point like two-thirds of the salary is gone and then you retain half of that yeah you, you don't need pick. Much. so like like honestly as, as crazy as this sounds because like if there's any pittsburgh fans like this would be like the biggest like eyesore for them it was like i feel like if there's a spot that makes sense for them if the numbers can work out i think it's the capitals Oh yeah. They got two young goalies who are only playing. Okay. Yeah. And like you're in a playoff spot and you bring in a Mark Andre flurry. Who was like, again, Pittsburgh was always like Washington's rival when it came to the playoffs this last like decade, it seems like. And then for him to go over to the dark side, could you imagine like a capitals penguins, like playoff matchup, but flurry is playing for the capitals. Right. Not the Penguins. I think that'd be wild. I mean, Edmonton makes sense to me. And as we spoke on the last episode, how wild would it be round one Edmonton versus the Knights? And you got Flurry on the opposing I mean, team. That's crazy. The way the Oilers are playing lately, are they even going to be in a playoff spot come trade deadline? Yeah. I mean, uh, I just kind of wanted to throw this out. Not a big deal. The Knights are sitting, uh, sitting pretty on top of the Pacific Division. And I believe there are only a few points out of the top of the, of the West as well. So that's a, that's fun for a fan to see when everybody's, you know, everyone's healthy. So, um, but yeah, like I was going to say though, Hey, like, you know, go ahead and drop Brossois 
you know, get somebody to pick him up and let's get Flurry as the backup. <laughs> Back in. <laughs> Come on. I mean, that'd be like a total WWE move, right? Like Give away uh, Flurry for nothing, just so you don't have to pay the cap hit and then get, get him back, back for like a second round pick. Just so. Come easy. on. That's big dick energy. Like seriously, if a GM could pull that off. Well, I, mean, would the, I guess the question is, would the league even approve it? I don't know if the league would approve that. Why wouldn't it? I, I, you got rid of him. You got him back at trade deadline. It's the same it's the same situation that the same, it'd be the same contract. Right. But you wouldn't be responsible for the cap hit. I, I don't know if that's legal, honestly, because <laughs> you could just, cause like that'd be theoretically saying like, had that be, let's say Florida made $10 million and he got traded to the Blackhawks and then come trade deadline. It's like, Hey, wink, wink. We want him back. We're going to give you something for him, but you're going to retain half of the salary at the trade deadline. I don't think it's a legal thing. Well, I mean, if they could pull something like, like that off that'd be wild um that'd be some definite wrestling uh uh soap opera uh scenario right there it'd be um, nuts um yeah not holding my breath i i my vote is edmonton i think if they're if they're they're in a playoff spot and they they want to they want to add a goaltender i think flurry is the way to go you got a little bit of time uh to kind of you know, see if he still has it on your team. Their issues always been goaltending. I, I, but yeah, I think my final answer, Sam, is I think he he does go somewhere. What about you? What's your yeah. final answer? I mean, I think it make it makes total sense because I think it's a situation where I think it comes down to, in my mind, if I'm him, it's like, cool, I'm on this year, I'm making a cool seven mil. Like, yeah, it's in the situation I still wanted to be in. Like, enjoy it while I can. Like I'll go and try and win a cup, whether it's a starter, whether it's a backup or whatever. And then if next year there's a perfect situation where I end up at a, whether it be a Vegas or a Pittsburgh somehow for like one more year as a last hurrah, maybe I do it. Like, who yeah, knows? who knows? And I, and I know that there's still very many Vegas Golden Knights fans out there that are praying to hockey gods that there's something that happens there. I think there's a better chance he comes back to Vegas than Pittsburgh, even, even though he did have the sword in the back per se, it, Pittsburgh doesn't seem like the kind of organization that likes to do things like that. Cause considering we saw Yager who's still like, I think he's still waiting up at night, looking at his phone, just waiting for the opportunity to have that like one day contract so that he can finally retire. Like, it's just like the, the devil on his shoulder, uh, so to speak. But, um, so yeah, uh, we appreciate you guys, uh, checking out this episode it's been great we got two more interviews that are going to be dropping in the new year along with the announcement of our, our new sponsor uh i'm personally looking forward to uh christmas i think it's going to be a good time this year i think i want to end i want to this has been such a downer of an episode i feel like before you end just as a side note okay yarmir yager has 17 points in 27 games this year playing for his team that he owns in the czech republic the jackie moon situation yeah exactly uh that's not bad he's like what 40 I'm not trying to be a dick he's he like 47 49 oh my god see i that, that oh, that's just insane oh my god uh okay so a lighter note let's end it what's your all-time favorite christmas movie and you can't we're gonna throw this out you can't you can't do the gremlins which i have as my my wall you can see okay. right there that's fair. I mean, I feel I feel like if you're doing that, like you can't around, do Die Hard. No Die Hard. No Gremlins. Uh, probably National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's classic. Okay, I could take that. I could take that. Man, all time favorite Christmas movie. Uh, and we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Gremlins, and we're not gonna talk about Die Hard, which I'm not a huge Die Hard fan, but that's for another episode. Uh, dude, I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this, but I I. <laughs> 
I love the fucking Jonathan Taylor Thomas Disney Christmas movie where he's like dressed as Santa and he's got to go across country to, to get a Porsche for Christmas. Um, it's like him and Jessica Alba is like a total babe in it. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's awesome Christmas movie and it's on Disney plus. So, uh, is it the, what, the I'll be, I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. It's got an, oh, it's, it's great. It's got an awesome soundtrack. It's got the blink One Eighty Two Christmas song. I feel like it came out like around the time that all the American pie movies and shit were like, yeah. or maybe right before that whole like nineties, early two thousands, like, you know, comedies came out and, I love it. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Disney Plus. That's probably my go-to. Or Reindeer Games, starring Ben Affleck. That's a good one. And Gary Sinise, and you see uh, Charlize Theron go full butt-ass naked, which is that's insane. Anyways, uh, happy holidays, everybody. Make sure you're following us on our on our socials, which we'll we'll drop below. And um, yeah, happy New Year, and we'll uh, we're really excited to roll out these interviews and some uh, some more content here in 2022. Shit, yeah. dude. 2022 that is so fucked up ah anyways uh, uh to end on a note i saw <laughs> i saw something where it was like rolling to 2019 where it was like um john travolta and greece driving his uh convertible with the chick and then it's like going into 2022 and it's him in uh pulp fiction driving uma thurman who just came back from her you know overdose. oh my god yeah uh, like that's rough very rough couple of years but yeah happy new year's Happy New Year's, um, everyone. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas and cheers with my empty glass. Take care, everybody. Later, guys.